from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. You can't make a film on this subject matter if you're not going to, to dig deeply. It's until you start driving, you're really isolated from everybody. It was always there, but it wasn't really like, oh, hey. Once they started working, once they started going out, then you started dreaming about the opportunities. I can even buy myself a house with a pool if I really work hard and, and do everything. And for the kids, they're like, hey, if I go to school, look what these doctors, what these lawyers, what these businessmen are making. They realized this really is the land of opportunity. I'm Elaine Chung. Home is at once simple and profoundly complex. It is, of course, what's physical and geographical. It also encompasses the emotional, the temporal, and the aspirational. Coming to the United States to make a home as an immigrant takes a remarkable degree of resolve. But what does it take to move to America as a refugee? And what's required for someone to feel at home? The 2022 documentary, A New Home, is an award-winning look at those and other questions from the perspective of Bosnian refugees and resettlement advocates here in St. Louis. The early part of the film begins by laying out the circumstances that led to Bosnians fleeing their homeland for refuge in several countries, including the United States. Over the course of the centuries, there were outbreaks of violence among groups. Many times it was kind of orchestrated by politicians or political leaders or opportunists who wanted to set people against each other for their own benefit. In this 1990s war slash genocide, they orchestrated that by telling their followers in Bosnia and other parts of Yugoslavia that the Muslims and the Catholics were the same as the Muslims and the Catholics of centuries past who had fought with Serbs in centuries past. I remember when it just started in Sarajevo, there was really weird feelings that you, uh, sitting in the country, in the town that you love so much and people you love so much, and uh, suddenly you have shellings and um, destroying the town from the hills. I was shocked and scared and like, oh my God, is this possible uh, that people can do this to each other? It's just something that you cannot understand what neighbors can do to each other and how hatred exists in some people, how people change. Or maybe they were able to hide that kind of behavior or attitude they had towards others. It is still hard for me to understand that part. How could you be a good neighbor, friend, even cousin with someone and kill that person the following day without reason, without that person making any harm to you? That's a clip from Joseph Paleo's award-winning documentary film, A New Home, which explores how the local Bosnian refugee population has made, changed, and rooted itself in St. Louis. And here to discuss this film today are three people who've been directly involved with it. Joseph Paleo, director of A New Home. Welcome. 
Thank you for having me. Nadim Ramic, a Bosnian St. Louis lawyer who came to Missouri by way of Germany when he was in middle school. Welcome to you. Thank you, Lee. And Nela Mustafic, Mustafic, <laughs> a St. Louis native and Bosnian community member. Welcome as well. Thank you. Joseph, as I've noted, your film opens by establishing the geopolitics of what drove Bosnians from their homeland. When did you personally learn about this history? Well, that was at the beginning when I first took on this project. That was one of the things that I had to research deeply into um, because the Bosnian War is not something that you would be taught in school generally here in the United States. So it wasn't until I did the research that then I started learning about the reasons why the war began and then that subsequent need for Bosnians to find a new home uh, with many of them being resettled in St. Louis. So that really was part of the pre-production stage for me was learning as much as I possibly could about this war. Was there something other than the documentary convention of, of doing that research? And you've mentioned that you were not aware of, of the history, but was there some other reason you decided to begin the film with the history in that way? Well, I wanted to contextualize it for viewers like myself, who this is not something that they're, they're very much aware of, um, but also even if you were aware of what happened, to kind of bring, it, bring those memories back to kind of conceptualize as much as, much as I could. Mm-hmm. Nadim, you are someone who remembers that history that has gone through in that clip. You remember that firsthand. You were eight. I was I actually 10 years old when the war broke out, yes. Okay. And your family first fled to Germany and then afterward came to the U.S. And, you know, you grew up among first-generation Bosnians here in St. Louis. How much of the history that we heard was part of everyday life and conversations? It still is part of everyday life and conversations because that is the reason we are actually here. We were forced from our homes. We had to flee. And thankfully, the United States has given us a new home. And again, every time you go, you hang out with your friends, family, you know, that, that's, that's a talk that comes up every now and then. Mm-hmm. Nayla, you were born here in St. Louis. How much of that resonates for you? How, how much of that history has been part of what you've grown up with? It's been a part of my whole life. Like, my parents have always taught me about it every single year, like every anniversary of it. We sit down, watch clips, watch movies, watch the ceremony that they do for Srebrenica, where my father is from. And we see every year how there's new graves being dug and all of it. And my entire childhood growing up, it was about remember, remember, and remember. Mm -hmm. So clearly, it is very much a part of the way that you've come to be who you are today. Yes. And there's a lot in it that is extremely difficult. It's, it's tragic. It's heartbreaking. Joseph, you interviewed many people in the film, and they shared very personal and very painful memories with you. Was it difficult to identify people who would speak on film, no less, to what they'd experienced in war and then as refugees? 
Yeah, Patrick McCarthy, uh, who is one of the key interviews in our film, uh, has a 30-year relationship with this Bosnian community. And so he was integral in helping identify Bosnian members of the community that we could speak to. And so I would call, I had a preliminary questionnaire that I would go through uh, with potential interviewees. And that was probably the most difficult part of my job was the understanding that we had to go there. Mm -hmm. You can't make a film on this subject matter if you're not going to to dig deeply into uh, what is, for all the people that we interviewed, the worst experience of their life. Now we are asking them to relive that on camera. So it was definitely a tough ask, but as you see in the film, it's so necessary in, in order to understand really what happened to these people. And it's something that, you know, history just repeats itself over and over again. And if, if there's not that awareness, then things happen like what you're seeing now with the war in Ukraine. Um, and so our, this film, to me, has taken on many different layers of relevancy since we started it. We started it a year and a half ago. At that time, there was no talk about the war going on in Ukraine, it was mostly we were getting a lot of Afghan refugees and so in in the area in St. Louis. And so we thought that was going to be uh, what was the relevant topic. Um, now, now, as I mentioned, with that war going on in Ukraine, you, you could see many of the parallels um, that go on. And as for someone like Nadim, that to witness that in person and now nightly on television, I can't even imagine uh, what these members of the Bosnian community are going through. And one of the interviewees in the film does make mention that, I mean, it was happening then, and it's just going to, unfortunately, it is going to continue, and we're seeing it now. And this was someone who is a, a, a refugee. This was the, an older generation woman that you were speaking with. One of the other things about coming to the United States or any other place has to do with Uh, managing realities, particularly those that don't measure up to expectations. I think that's a a very human thing to to do. And in a new home, Patrick McCarthy, whom you've just referred to, Joseph, who's the author of two books about Bosnian refugees and immigrants, he addresses expectation versus reality and cites TV shows as one reason refugees dream so big about America. There's a tendency to view the United States in very idealized terms, and that was particularly true of refugees. Now, of course, they were fleeing for their lives, so they had modest expectations, but the perception of the United States was the one that's in the popular imagination of abundant wealth, of opportunities, of beautiful homes that people had seen in watching TV shows like Dynasty. We had those uh, dynasty, then have uh, Bonanza, and they have Dallas. I remember hearing a lot of people say that some of the more popular American TV shows were Beverly Hills 90210 and Melrose Place. So they were expecting to have a swimming pool in their backyard when they came here. Baywatch was popular. I was thinking, man, here comes the beach, here comes Baywatch, here comes Pamela Anderson. 
And then I get off the plane in St. Louis and the only thing that I get hit with is, is the, you know, humidity of the summer of St. Louis. No Pamela Anderson, none of that. That was author Patrick McCarthy touching upon the discrepancy between what refugees from Bosnia expected and what they saw or felt uh, when they arrived here. And that was particularly true for you, Nadim. We heard you in that clip there. <laughs> so certainly, you know, things were better once you arrived. Um, you know, my family immigrated from Canada to California in 1990. So seeing those clips and even hearing that audio about Dynasty and Baywatch, definitely it resonated with me. Now, after you overcame that Pamela Anderson disappointment, Nadim, mm-hmm. was there a point you can identify when you started feeling like you know, maybe the U.S. and specifically St. Louis is living up to some of my expectations? When did it happen? I couldn't say for sure. I can tell you that the first six months were the hardest for all of us. Obviously, you're, you know, I say off the boat, but, you know, off the plane, and you don't speak the language, you don't know anybody, you don't know the society. And the first six months are just that adjusting period where a lot of people are like, I mean, I would even rather go back to Bosnia because I knew what I had there and here. I don't speak the language. I don't know anybody. And in the United States, until you start driving, you're really isolated from everybody. So once people um, created that sense of community, once they started working, once they started going out and, and, and socializing, and then then you started dreaming about the opportunities because you realize, oh, wow, if I work hard, look, I could get myself a you know brand new car that I probably never would have been able to afford back home. I can even buy myself a house with a pool if I really work hard and, and do everything. And for the kids, they're like, hey, if I go to school, look what these doctors, what these lawyers, what these businessmen are making. So if I work hard, this is the land of opportunity. And so after a few years, once people settled down, once they realized that, hey, listen, it's up to me to decide how high I want to go in this country, they realized this really is the land of opportunity. So thank you for having us, they mm-hmm. said. And so they they. they did make the best of the opportunity that they received. And as I mentioned, the Bosnian-American community has been used as an example to other uh, immigrant populations to say, hey, listen, look how Bosnian-Americans, you know, how well they did here. So it's, it's, it's possible if you work hard at it. Mm-hmm. Now, I was really struck by your interview's candor, Joseph, about factors that contributed to the success of Bosnian refugees in St. Louis. And Nadim, you have kind of touched upon that and sort of the work hard and you will achieve um, that that notion and, and to some degree maybe a, a myth. Um, and this came, uh, the candor about, about factors that contributed to quote-unquote success came not only from uh, Bosnian refugee and St. Louis re- resident Dijana Mukjanovic. Mukjanovic. Okay, Mukjanovic. But also from Ben Moore, who's a senior researcher at the Center for Bosnian Studies at Fontbonne University. I think that if Bosnians were not white, the story would be written completely different. So Bosnians had an invisible advantage in being white because they were offered opportunities to resettle 
and integrate that perhaps some other groups, non-white refugees, uh, don't have and wouldn't have had. The success of Bosnians has also sometimes been deployed, not by Bosnians, but by other people in uh, St. Louis as uh, a way of blaming other populations for their own failure to survive. It goes something like this. Look what the Bosnians have done. They have become so prosperous when they lost everything in the 1990s. Why can't you do that? Um, what they're talking about in that clip from your documentary is about perceived whiteness and St. Louis's racial politics. And that is something that I have long wondered about. And I came here in 2014 and that is something that is, um, it can be palpable, right? Nayla, I want to bring you into this and ask, have you felt any kind of that sort of model minority or expectation of success as you've grown up here as a St. Louis-born Bosnian heritage young person? Yes, I can say that I have because my parents, they came here with nothing. They had to fight. They had to work. They... My parents still work, like, labor. My dad is, like, a contractor. My mom, she cleans. Like, she's, that's what she knows best to do. And for me, she's like, go to school, get your degree, and make your life easier than our was when we came here. Mm -hmm. So that pressure to, you know, to do what they were not able to do? Yes. Mm -hmm. And as far as this expectation that you should be able to do it, because this is the land of opportunity, um, how did this aspect make its way, Joseph, into the film? Well, we definitely thought it was an important part of the story that needed to be included um, and probably one that might be overlooked um, by others. So it was actually in, in talking with Eilina, uh, um, something that she had brought up, which she uh, thought was extremely important. Um, and so then I, I was asking other uh, refugees this, th that same question about do you think that the fact that you were of a white race had anything to do with the perception and it definitely um, had an impact and as we get into later on in the film with 9-11 uh, that is kind of when it came to the forefront for people that were in St. Louis that they had these people that were white but they were also Muslims, but it wasn't something that was well-known at the time until uh, post 9-11. Right, and there's that portion in the film where it says, yes, Muslims can be blonde-haired and blue-eyed. Yes. So the, I guess the kind of cognitive dissonance that must have been happening at that time. Um, another topic that A New Home addresses is the difference between immigrant and refugee. And I've referenced immigrant earlier, um, sort of in, in anticipation of, of getting your thoughts on this particular uh, point. And in the film, um, the assistant professor that you were speaking of um, emphasizes the, the difference between immigrant and refugee, and namely that it is an immigrant who resettles by choice while a refugee is di displaced by force and often with only several hours to collect their belongings for a country they've not even chosen for themselves. Nadim, do you think that that difference is part of the reason 
Bosnian refugees worked so hard to better their circumstances? Most definitely. And what we also have got to keep in mind, that, that, that perception of us coming to the United States, the native-born population in St. Louis also had that perception of, you know, oh, immigrants, just throw them all in the same bucket and, you know, whatever, they're no good, whatever you want to call it. However, what she did a good job of explaining is that difference that, that certain immigrant populations come here by choice while refugees are forcefully displaced from their homes, you know, basically just getting out barely with their lives. And once that happens and once they arrive in a country like the United States with all these opportunities, they really try to do their best to improve their situation and at the same time improve their um, surroundings, which I think the Bosnian-American population has definitely done in the St. Louis area, made it better for everybody. Mm -hmm. And the growth of the Bosnian population here, not just refugees, but the the generations that followed. Nela, you said that your, um, I think I read that your mother came to St. Louis when she was 10, or did she leave? She left earlier. I don't exactly know when, but like kind of when she was like 10 years old. She was younger. Okay. And did either of your parents happen to live somewhere other than St. Louis before you were born? No, they lived here. And the the part of the reason I'm asking this is that secondary migration is certainly something, like you all did so well here, that Bosnians who had been resettled elsewhere said, I'm I'm going to St. Louis. My wife is a great example of that. So she came to St. Louis via Vermont. They used to live in Vermont for five or six years, and then her brother came to visit some friends in St. Louis, and then he went back to Vermont where they had maybe a couple families living in the surrounding area, and he said, wow, St. Louis is little Bosnia. We have to move to St. Louis. And so that's how she came to St. Louis in 06, mm-hmm. and that's how I met her, and obviously we got married. But she's just one of so many examples of that secondary migration. Right, right. So the, the film has now been out since the summer, uh, Nayla, as far as people who are about your age, maybe who've seen this film, have they said anything to you about it's helping them understand better who you are and where you're from? Um, I feel like, yeah, it's more like positive feedback, like, wow, like it's seeing more of the Bosnian community and acknowledging it. It was always there, but it wasn't really like, oh, hey this is how many people are here, this is how great of a thing it was mm-hmm. for the Bosnians to migrate or come here. So Little Bosnia is a, uh, it is a place, and a good, pu- people, good amount of people know, right, that it is here. But is Little Bosnia, Nadim, do you think that it's less of a physical space and more of a, like a state of, heart and mind, so to speak? Most definitely more of a, you know, state of, of, of heart and mind, because when you think of St. Louis, that is the largest Bosnian, American, uh, Bosnian population outside of Bosnia. Uh, and, you know, that when you say little Bosnia, you're thinking of St. Louis. Justice, what, are you, what about you? In the course of doing research and making this film, to what extent was little Bosnia, sort of a a starting point that led elsewhere? Well, I'm from St. Charles originally, so the Bosnian community is not something that is widely discussed uh, where I come from. It wasn't until I got married and moved to Afton 
uh, which has a very large Bosnian pop- population, that I started to notice, I would say probably 70 to 80% of my neighbors are Bosnian. Then I go to the gas station, look across the street, there's a Bosnian flag painted on the wall, or you'd see multiple shops um, throughout the area. So I really got to see firsthand just how large the diaspora is here. And Bivo Mill is what you're referencing in terms of that little Bosnia. In, in time, many of those Bosnian residents have then moved to South County, but it still feels like that hub when you go down there and you go to places like Zlatno Zito and, th- and things of that nature. So it, it still has a, a hold on the community, but as they've, they've gone through and, and uh, gone now to South County, it, it really just shows, you know, Bosnians are just like you and me. They want the exact same things. They want bigger houses, better uh, education for the children, things, of the, things like that. Nayla, the last question is for you. Having been part of this documentary, does somehow St. Louis feel even more like a home to you? Definitely. Like, I often go to Bevo Mill. I work down there, and I, I feel like it's created that, like, narrowed view of this is the place where everything kind of started or, like, where the people first came, where my family, friends, where they first came. Joseph, Nayla, Nadim, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This episode was produced by Avery Rogers. Our audio engineer is Aaron Dorr, and our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Alex Hoyer is our executive producer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.